0: Right, welcome. All uh, right, in this episode, I'm gonna reflect on the International Place Branding Association conference, my first academic conference where I presented something from my PhD and then a paper and then artwork. Uh, I was actually gonna record three podcasts before getting to the conference, you know, the one for the doctoral. Uh, meeting one for the art gallery and one for the paper that I've got submitted but I didn't manage to record anything for the paper for some reason I thought I've got that one sorted plus Barcelona got to me I was uh running around exploring the city uh, did some great calisthenics bumped into some design students in a cafe and lectured them about the PhD which is very interesting because I realized I had never used my own, uh, you know, uh, instrument. Let's call it that—the research instrument. You know, the more detailed stuff, not the philosophy, not the methodology, but you know, just like the the types of data that I'm interested in collecting from others for the PhD. <laughs> I had never used it to myself, and these students were running this workshop about learning from experience, and. I don't know if that's so relevant to my topic of interest, which is, you know, how people choose where to live. But I do think it's kind of a, the only way you can learn about that is from experience, uh, helpfully. You can look at stats, crime rates when you choose where to live. but I don't think that overperforms if your aim is a better quality of life rather than something else, right? If you want a job, if your priority is something else, fine. But this is kind of where my head's at with the the PhD aim and uh, it was interesting talking to them, showing them how my own trajectory of uh, where I was kind of thrown into the world, where my first memories are from, then where I've still got friends, where I've still got family, then um, kind of where I've gone to university and then getting a job and then eventually as i've matured having more of a freedom to clarify what i want to get out of the whole process of choosing where to live uh, i I basically got this structured into the same way i've been structuring it for from the data that i've got from phd for myself and drawing it because they were asking everybody in the cafe to draw and i presented it and i i'll be honest It prepared me more than I could have, you know, with all of the analysis that I've been doing of the data for others. Because I fundamentally don't think I'm doing something that removes me as a subjective researcher away from my research. And it's something that's interesting that as I was telling my godfather yesterday, because I'm back in Bulgaria, I was telling him about the advice he gave me as a kid, how helpful it's been on this journey because uh, it was. He um, was always jokingly telling me as a kid that I need to become an idiot when I grow old, you know, when I get older, because adults are idiots because they they don't say it as it is. They don't just discuss the world as they see it, and I need to learn how to be an idiot. And I I signed the 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 program book from the conference and gave it to him with a signed thanks for you know giving me this i still haven't learned how to be an idiot so i still think it's it's okay to discuss the world as you see it and this is a bit presumptuous to say and at the conference i had a few exchanges with a lot more senior researchers trying to defend this cuz it sounds unscientific but it's more of a a position of the philosophy uh on you know if i'm interested in subtle stuff like emotion intuition Sense of belonging, place, attachment, you know. These can't be studied objectively with with numbers. I mean, they can, but I don't think it's a better approach than the the one that trusts people in what they say about their past, their memories, and their feelings, and takes them seriously. So it's not like I'm making it out and doing things without data. I've got data... But I'm also not removing myself and my own experience from the research. I I don't think I'm kind of rediscovering any wheels there. It's something that's being defended by other humanistic researchers, and you know, in the day job, doing human-centered design, it it does borrow from humanism, humanism, really. And um, the The events, so going to the doctoral colloquium, the funny thing is I had misunderstood that I don't need to submit a PowerPoint ahead of time with the the organizers saying that I don't need a PowerPoint at all because we had only four PhD students presenting. I thought we were just going to do an informal thing where we share knowledge, where we're up to, so I ended up having to use the drawing I got from the session in the cafe with the design students but how is it that being open to experience helped me so much in that presentation it's surprising and i know a lot of the stuff i say always border on woo but i don't think they are i think it's just and i i have this feeling it's not the same as when people talk about gut feelings and gut decisions cuz that's that's different the the phenomenological approach of being pulled towards stuff i do think there's there's something there um, but i'm you know still just learning how to to live this way it seems to be paying off it seems to be more fun as well because doing that presentation on the spot having to defend against people that know so much more than me basically was a trial by fire and the feedback i got is amazing straight away you know in the moment it's like instant moments of seeing clearly where the idea doesn't exactly stack up, right? I'm talking about experience, rather than more openly talking about love and place attachment. Uh, It's like masking it. But you know, in the tourism literature, uh, I got confronted, you know, experiences get talked about like something that you experience, it's measured. So I need to be clear when I'm joining some discussions, to be clear on what language I use. Then also the clarification of definitions. So, something that I actually, I think I do well in my written work say these are the types of definitions for some phenomenon and why I'll pick one of them, but I didn't do this in the presentation very well. So, being clear on what I mean by place attachment, and I'm following the lineage of people like Yi Fu Tuan who talk about place attachment is this effect affect, affection for place uh, with an expressed desire to stay there longer. So it combines a cognitive and a behavioral aspect. Well, affective and cognitive and behavioral, right? All the three. But then I have to limit the scope of the PhD. So I got this feedback again. Very helpful. What's possible to do within the PhD um, with the kind of data that I've got? So the behavioral aspect, while people would talk about it and I have how long they stayed in a certain place as data, just adding that in for the sake of it, it actually doesn't bring in more knowledge. It's just bringing more data. So go, going narrower and deeper, as I've been told before, with this kind of research is the right thing. So I'll let go of, of the aspects that were behavioral, because I also saw another... Um, Researcher already doing a great job in this. I think his name's Thomas Lecht, Stuttgart guy. He's pretty much on point with uh, tracking quantitatively, kind of creating a model. He's done stats on how can you kind of look at the more behavior aspect of this. He says he's doing the affective and the and the cognitive, but not as in depth. So his is more quantitative. But if I'm gonna do something deep qualitative I'll focus on effect and I'll stop calling it effect because effect is a is a measurement concept from neuroscience I'll be talking about feelings of belonging love place attachment uh, this is what I'm interested in and this is what my passion is for I do think and we need to relook at those concepts in the world that's changed quite a bit it'll be interesting for others to be brave to look at emotion as something that we seem to think it's ephemeral and whatever, or it doesn't exist. And I think I'll look at intuition more specifically as part of that. And then distinguish emotions, feelings, moods. So having that you know, kind of literature that I've been reading from, philosophy of emotions, bringing it in, seeing it with some of the data that I've got, I think that's going to be uh, a coherent phd but i'll have to not even have to i'm enjoying this because i took the time before recording this to really take it on board because it's easy to just get a bit started when you receive so much feedback uh, i think all of it made sense is just more senior people telling you don't waste your time um, so i got some feedback i'm trying to link the literature from geography that talks about locational choice because choices are types of decisions because I'm interested in how behavior economics deals with intuitions and emotions and then I thought well okay then what's the other literature that deals with these choices and in geography locational choice but locational choice the tradition of that is very positivistic so as soon as I say these words it means I'm trying to go down that way I was trying to to do this synthesis thing which you learn it through your master's level and whatever where you're just synthesizing two two versions try to go for the middle but some of them are unsynthesizable and I have learned that you know like potions in chemistry some of them when you mix them there's helpful compounds you create some of them just explode so I'm dropping that discussion as well uh, I, I, I'm gonna highlight it in the literature review you know that this is still the perspective of uh, how a lot of Companies, people might think it's the you know you should be calculating where you should should locate, and that you know this is kind of also used by people trying to attract to to present all of the data. You know we're gonna do the market research for you to convince you you should live here. I don't think this is uh, my interest. So that was the <laughs> doctoral. Um, Uh, meeting, and I presented without slides, then the following day I presented a paper. The paper is straight away as soon as I presented about nudges and boosts, um, and how they should be applied in trying to influence uh, people's decisions. Apologies, not decisions, Uh, people's perceptions of places. Uh, I I realized I was trying to use the wrong data for this kind of research because it is a bit theoretical because it is some of the, the beginning of application of behavioral economics into uh, place branding and uh, I don't think I'm going to use the data that I've got from people choosing but I've got data from people trying to attract so I'm actually going to do this analysis for this paper, um, and, and then. But it's it's really weird that this became obvious to me only as I was presenting. And again, it comes back to I seem to learn just by <laughs> doing the, the stuff. And which is also why, on a, when I was a bit drunk on the train from Lyon to Barcelona, I signed up to a stand-up comedy course because I think. The skill of stand up comedy allows you to more bravely bomb when you have bad jokes. It's the same with if you go through your ideas and expose them to the fire, you're gonna progress more and more rather than thinking alone somewhere. So, I'm definitely gonna look for more conferences to go to as well. Definitely gonna do the Royal Geographical Society, of which I'm a postgraduate member. Uh, I'll see what other conferences I can go to as well, just to share my ideas and progress that way. I've also got a, a writing retreat on the 7th of Jan, where I'll just start, go back to my literature and scrape out what I don't need. You know, I've reviewed enough literature to then maybe present it there, but say this is in the in the region. What other people are looking at, but the PhD process focuses on this. (sighs) And then in the art gallery, I don't know, this is getting a bit noisy because I'm running in the woods. I'm recording this. It's minus five in Bulgaria, so I need to keep warm. I think it was really cool because I brought the digital statues, they are augmented reality statues that one can see in Bristol, where the Colston statue used to stand the slave owner and that project, you know, to discuss the interesting aspects of this project where, you know, the artists didn't wait for the official authorities to decide what to do with the statue, they also didn't go for the Whole debate of what statues are for but just create something generated from the community uh, I think this is something that applied plays branding can learn from because from this project I also got introduced to a lot of these artists who are trying to also set up a citywide business improvement district to be able to fund creative projects you know why is it that only anonymous people like Banksy can sell t-shirts to fund the release of the people that are trying to, that are trying to get for taking down a statue of people in in their city. Uh, but then again, you know, I presented this as art because it, it is art, because this is where it gets too subjective, you know, this is where I'm like showing my bias entirely. Uh, you know, I'm a foreigner of certain type, of course I'm gonna have this. Perspective on places, but I also presented, in with the artwork, the discussion around kind of the, the slogan of the, of the thing is see what you want to see, and I also think that's dangerous because that's extreme relativism, right? Um, and places are fundamentally communal rather than individualistic. So let's be clear, I wasn't going around like this <sighs> crazy extreme Marxist. Entirely extreme lefty, Uh, you know, saying how it should be. Uh, But I got the coolest feedback about that because I just had a QR code to to scan, and it was interesting that I got told by someone that they've never seen someone command so much attention with just a QR code. I think it's because I spoke from the heart, and speaking from the heart is dangerous. It's because you're gonna slip, you're gonna show your bias you're gonna show your subjectivity but uh it's there anyway even if we try to hide it it's there so i i'm trying to be an honest researcher rather than an objective one right and of course the problem with being honest is that the practice of honesty also doesn't guarantee that you're saying truthful things to the true truth epistemological truth does not require that you be honest it's different things sometimes you know i personally think it's conducive to a good life though it's definitely cognitively less burdensome to speak honestly because lies require you know to maintain the lie and to think it's somewhere in the background churning uh, oh i think I've, I've gone on the wrong route but anyway, I've got time. <sighs> All right, let's see where which way I'm going with this. Um, yeah, and a very fruitful conference. Uh, I think it's helped me direct myself. Or whatever that means, but, you know, speaking metaphorically. uh, And, yeah, this is it for now.